0: What's going on everyone? Marvin here, your host of Cinemania. Glad you guys are back for another episode. I am currently feeling under the weather and you guys will be able to hear it throughout the podcast. Unfortunately, I went to, well fortunately I went to Quebec, came back with a terrible fever and flu. So even as I'm recording this, still don't feel 100%. But I mustered up the strength and I was really fortunate to interview a good friend of mine, Drew Kosak. Uh, Drew has had a very interesting journey, he graduated from Notre Dame with a degree in engineering, has found a passion in YouTube, has well over 2,000 uh, subscribers, and he's just very passionate about powerlifting, um, and he was really involved in food challenges, so Drew is actually going to be moving to LA to pursue pursue his dreams and really grow as a creator, as a creative, as a YouTuber. And meet other creators out in L.A. So I think he has a very interesting uh, story to tell. And I think a lot of you who may be entrepreneurs or people who are thinking about taking that chance at Leap of Faith, Drew is honestly doing that. So enjoy the podcast. Check out Drew's Instagram. It's Drew, D-R-E-W, Kossak, K-O-C-A-K. Uh, make sure to check out his YouTube channel, Fit. And, yeah, hope you guys enjoy this awesome interview with Drew. Welcome, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Cinemania. My name is Marvin Sandoval, your host. And today I am honored to be interviewing my good friend, Drew. Drew, tell us a little bit about yourself.
1: I am a 23-year-old guy who went to Notre Dame. I got a degree in mechanical engineering, and I just, I mean, like I worked an internship my junior year, and I i never saw myself working a desk job, which is probably what I'd be doing right now if I actually used my degree, so I decided that I would um, start personal training, and thats that's not been, like, a big thing I've been doing. It's, like, something I... I'm certified for and have, but I just wanted to be doing something related to fitness. And around the same time, I started doing YouTube, and I've been into fitness YouTube. Um, I have kind of switched up my training to be strictly focused on powerlifting, and I've been getting a lot stronger in recent months. Um, I'm a powerlifter, I'm a YouTuber, vlogger. I'm trying to get more into the videography, cinematography side of things. And I plan on doing some short films. I I got the equipment now. I just need to actually like put it to use because yeah, it's uh, it's a lot of money I put into that. And it would be nice to actually use it for something. And I really do enjoy learning more about like how to make better videos and make things look look more cinematic. Cause I, I don't know, I just find it really cool and interesting. And I'm sure you do too, Marvin. (laughs) No, I (laughs) I love
0: cinematography.
1: I love videography. I've been
0: dabbling a little bit into photography as well. And it's really exciting for me to see, you know, you grow as a videographer. You know, it's one thing to vlog and do your workouts. But when you start developing a story and a tale in your video, um, it, it develops a different I, in, in the sense of developing art, um, you talked a little bit about, you know, how you went to college, studied engineering. Um, during that time when you were in college, did you ever think about, you know, videography? And I mean, you, you did YouTube in college, but did you ever think it was going to become what it is now?
1: Well, I've always wanted to be able to do YouTube on more of a full-time scale, I, I don't know, like hopefully that happens in the future. I know it takes a long time to build a channel that can actually do that, but I've always wanted to be a YouTuber. Like ever since YouTube came out, I, I mean, I bought a camera and started making YouTube videos legit. Like what was it, 2006 when YouTube started, 2007, something like that. I was like 13, 14 in middle mm-hmm. school. Uh, we would watch like Niga Higa and stuff. And my brother, my cousin and I would make these little skits and we, we actually had a decent following for, like, somebody who was, like, 13 <laughs> years old. Um, we, we had, like, almost a 1,000 subscribers back then. And if that channel was still around now, I, I mean, like, I would have continued developing, like, my video skills. But it kind of took a back seat for a while, for a few years, because my dad actually deleted that account. <laughs> uh, because he thought we were being too inappropriate. like. When you're a teenager, like, what, what else are you supposed to do, you know? You're going to be crude and, I don't know. And I've so, always done YouTube. <laughs> so, at one point, you know, that
0: was middle school. What At one point where you're like, you know what, I really want to get back into this. Was it while you were in high school? Was it your freshman year of college? You know, I know you've done a lot of food eating challenges. Was that kind of um, something that influenced you to
1: get back onto YouTube? Well... So the way it went is, like, in high school and college, I actually didn't do YouTube for most of it. Like, I'd post occasional videos, but I wasn't, like, vlogging or anything because it's I was, like, a high schooler who was kind of shy. I didn't, like, put myself out there. I didn't want people to, like, watch my videos and be like, oh, this guy's weird, you know? And I feel like a lot of people have that issue with just, like, posting on social media Um, A lot of people won't want to be on like YouTube and stuff because they don't want to be judged for being a YouTuber or something and a lot of people want to do it but then they're like I just like haven't I haven't really gotten comfortable in front of a camera gotten comfortable sharing my life like that. And that was me for most of high school and well all of high school and most of college because I didn't start my current channel until My senior year of college, I believe it might have been late junior year, but around that time I started my current channel and I just wanted to do like fitness stuff because I was watching. Who was I watching at the time? Um, Maybe like Max Tuning and Christian Guzman. That might not be true because I I watch them like now, but I was watching some YouTubers on like the fitness YouTube side of things, the bigger ones. And Mm. I was like, I kind of want to do that. And so I started making just like generic fitness videos and um, sometimes I would do vlogs, sometimes like food stuff. And I kind of noticed that people were catching on to the food videos and food challenges. And that was like a huge thing a year ago. I feel like it's kind of like died down a bit. But 10,000 calorie challenge and food challenges were huge like a year ago. And I I, I mean, I I might just be saying that from my perspective because it's kind of died down in my mind as like something I'm interested in. But um, I feel like a lot of people started doing it at the same time, and it was gaining traction on my channel, but I kind of used that as a way to gain followers, and eventually I realized food challenges and calorie challenges are not the way to be fit, and I was starting it to kind of share my fitness journey. (laughs) and I, I was getting fat and stuff
0: <laughs> i was gonna say like how did that take a toll on you i mean oh man. i used to watch like man versus food all the time and like i would guy is gonna need a gastric bypass or he needs help because to eat consistently like just so many calories you can only
1: burn so much in a day but oh, yeah. how, how did you balance that i mean there are crazy people out there like eric the electric who do like Freaking marathons, not marathons, but like on his bike, whatever you call those, like cycle thoughts or whatever, oh my God. but he does that like after every challenge and burns it all off. I did not, I'm not a fan of cardio. I like lifting heavy. I like doing bodybuilding style work. And uh, so in 2016, I went from 168 at the start after my cut, I had like abs and stuff. I was I was pretty shredded, honestly, like that was the leanest I've ever been. And then by the end of 2020, I was 210, so. Goddamn. Over 40 pounds gained just because I was doing all these food challenges. All muscle, though, right? All muscle. Uh, no, <laughs> it, it was mostly fat, probably. But I did gain a decent bit of muscle. It, it was nice because now that I'm, like, balancing out, um, I'm, like, 205 right now, I, and I look way better than I did a year ago at 210. So uh, you would think I'd look almost the same, but no, I, I put on a decent bit of muscle and I've been getting a lot stronger. I've been very consistent with my training. So I'm back to where I'm comfortable and it's nice to be comfortable at 200 plus pounds.
0: At what point were you just like that? These food challenges are becoming too much for me in the sense, you know, maybe, <laughs> you know, the weight gain, maybe even money, like, cause food challenges are expensive. Like you're spending oh, yeah. A lot of money that day, probably close to like a 100 bucks for, you know, 10,000 calories. At what point was it like, you know what, I'm going to change maybe, you know, the type of channel. Everyone is focusing on do I want to rebrand myself? Do I want to go into fitness or whatever? When did you kind of start that rebranding where it's not focused so much on food?
1: I mean, honestly, the the money thing never bothered me. I'm very lax about my finances. I, I make enough money to pay my bills, and I never worry about, like, I, I'm a weird type. Most people get stressed out over their finances. I never really have, like, a ton of extra money, but I don't get stressed over money ever. And if I spend it on something and it's something I'm going to use, um, I I don't mind at all. I'll make investments and stuff. That's why I have all this expensive Freaking camera equipment, and uh, I actually already broke my drone. I was kind of pissed for a little bit. <laughs> Did you buy insurance? No, man. But Aww. yeah, it, it was only a Spark though, so I wanted to start out with something cheap, and I guess it's good I went with the uh, the Spark instead of like a Mavic to start out. Because for anyone who's listening, gone. is and this is advice to anybody
0: who's going into a drone. Uh, Zach Kravitz and I talked about this. Anytime you fly a drone, it could very well <laughs> Be your last. So buy insurance. Oh, yeah. DGI. I think it's refresh. It's like a hundred bucks. Your first replacement is sixty dollars, and the second replacement's is one hundred and thirty. Strongly suggest it. But are you are you thinking about getting another drone?
1: What's what's the game plan? So I do want to get another drone, but I want it. I, I'm probably going to get a Mavic, but I'm going to be extremely careful around freaking trees because the trees are just trees kill are the I've devil hit trees <laughs> yes i've crashed it into trees twice and it broke on the second time so not fun
0: so you talked a little bit about you know the equipment that you had what did you start off with what was your youtuber intro beginning setup like <laughs> take us back to the day where you know 4k wasn't even a thing you know what was your original setup oh,
1: like? oh man okay so this is kind of embarrassing. But back in the day, this is back when my brother and I and my cousin did that stuff like 10 years ago, made those little skits. Um we had a little Sony like camcorder thing and it shot I think in 720 if that was even a thing. It was definitely not full HD. So like all my videos were squares. They weren't like, covering the full screen when I'd upload to YouTube. And I, I I know, like, people start on YouTube on their phones and stuff, but I hate when they do it, like, vertically and they only have – they have those black bars on the sides. I, yeah. It's just not, like – it looks kind of low quality. Un- <laughs> Unprofessional. <laughs> yeah. At least turn your phone to the side. But, yeah, I had one of those camcorders and it would only do, like, 720. And we used that for all those videos. And then it kind of sat in a drawer for a while. And then when I started doing fitness YouTube, like a year and a half ago, this is recent. (coughs) I used that same thing that I bought like 10 years ago. And it, it, I didn't realize how freaking bad it was. You can go back to my first videos on my channel and they're recorded on that thing. And they look like total shit. They're so bad. The come up is, real. it makes you really appreciate, you know,
0: how your skill as a videographer comes, how you edit, but just the overall quality, it's just so nice that, you know, if you look back at your videos, you should always be striving to make improvements, even if it's 1%. Just making that little tweak can really, you know, improve your workflow efficiency. It can improve the type of color grading that you get into. What are you using now? What's your current setup?
1: So I currently have a crop sensor DSLR I'm using a T7i, and I have a, um, the main lens I use is a 17 to 50 millimeter zoom lens, uh, 2.8 f-stop, so it's pretty decent, it was actually a really good buy for me, because it's super cheap, it was only like 300 bucks, and I think that was a good investment, but I want to go into like, uh, I want to get a 1.4 lens, but those things are expensive as hell, you know, yeah, I think a 1.4 lens, the Canon, I, I was looking
0: at it the other day. I think that runs for, I think that one's 400, 500. And then the 1.2 is like $1,300. But just the, the blurriness, the sharpness of it is oh, yeah. so incredible.
1: Yeah, that's what I want. I I think I might even go with a Sigma 1.4 art lens because I've seen those. Those look really nice. Um, But the Canons are just like another two or 300 bucks and, I mean, I don't even know if it's worth it. I'm not too good at telling the difference between the two, but they both look really nice to me. So
0: what would you say to somebody that is looking to get into YouTube? Because you've been in this for a while. You've been in the game. And someone's like, what's the ideal starter package for a videographer? You know, what would you recommend? Are you talking about, like,
1: equipment or...? Yes. Um... I mean, honestly, like any of the Rebel series are a pretty good buy in my opinion. They they all have pretty good quality. I mean, you you used a T five I for a while. T six I T six I. Yeah, those those T five I's T six I's T seven I's. I I think those are all really good for the price. Um, but I, I don't know if you'd suggest going full frame from the start. Like I, I would like to have a full frame camera pretty soon because I've never mm-hmm. shot on a full frame camera but a uh, crop sensor should be fine at first I would definitely go with a DSLR or a mirrorless camera from Sony for if you want to do like videography cinematography um I used the G7X for a while that's it's like really nice quality for vlogging but it's not like the greatest for like cinema stuff so I would definitely go with at least a crop sensor DSLR
0: no definitely I mean The T6Is, those overall are just fantastic. What I love about them is that they shoot in 24 and 30 frames per second. So if you want that nice cinematic look, 60 frames, if you kind of want to slow it down a little bit, takes great photos. What I love about Canon is that the natural colors that it shoots in are beautiful already. Uh, Whereas with Sony, fantastic too, but you do need to know a good amount of color correction because um the, the, it's the skin color that uh sony kind of messes up on that's why you have to shoot flat um yeah with the sony which is awesome so <clears throat> uh, talking about youtube a little bit kind of want to bring it back um what have you learned from youtube like if you could like say one thing that you've really learned about from youtube excuse me um because i'm sure you've grown as a videographer as a person um what would you say is one thing that you've really learned
1: from youtube Well. Hmm. So, I mean, personally, I would say that I've learned that a lot of people out there think they want to do something or or at least a lot of people out there want something. They want the end product. Like they want all the attention, they want to like kind of make money off YouTube and stuff and Overall, I think that's the wrong approach because you see, so I'm I'm sure you've seen a lot of channels too, Um, a lot of smaller channels who are doing the same thing, just like trying to emulate bigger channels and they just, they don't really have any originality. They don't have like, there's no passion there Mm -hmm. They're just kind of doing it because they want to, they think it would be nice to make money making videos on YouTube, which I mean, that would be super nice, but if that's all you care about, you're not going to have good content and you're not, nobody's going to want to watch your videos. I see like people with channels that stay at like a hundred subscribers for like a year and they never grow. And I'm just like, if you go and look at their content, it's usually because their content's not that good. Mm -hmm. And um, I mean, it's, it's kind of taught me that there's a lot of people who aren't in things for the right reason. And it's also taught me that there are some like really good people out there. Like I've met a lot of really good friends on YouTube and some of my best friends that I've met in the past year are just YouTubers and we go to expos together and such. And I mean, like we met on YouTube, meet a lot of good people on there and then you meet a lot of fake people. So kind of teaches you to sift through the, the crap and figure out who's real and who's just on there for, little attention, you know? Yeah, no,
0: and I'd love for you to expand on this a little bit more, you know, the YouTube community. I think people are very hesitant to put themselves on camera out there because, you know, being judged, you, if you are putting yourself out there, you will be judged for the good or the bad. But I mean, like you said, there's a lot of positivity out there. Um, What was it like when you first met, you know, YouTube friends in person? Because I remember I was nervous. It was like going on a Tinder date. You're just like, holy shit, yeah. you know, are they going to hate me? Do they do you think I'm going to be ugly or a crappy person? What was that like when you made your first interaction with someone you've
1: met through the Internet? Oh, I can't remember who the first, um, like, fellow YouTuber I met was. But among, like, the first people, there was uh, Sophia DeVita was one of the first people I met because she moved to Chicago shortly after we both started on YouTube and we were both doing food challenges at the time. And, I mean, it's actually a lot easier to talk to those people, in my opinion. Like, I, you get nervous before you meet them, but I find that developing that friendship is a lot easier with people that um, you can at least tell them that aren't fake about it, and who aren't just trying to get a bunch of followers. Um, a, lot of, a lot of the people on there, as long as you make – like make the connection that this person's actually a good person they really want to be your friend before you even meet them it just makes the whole process a lot easier i think mm-hmm. and uh, when i went to the la fit expo last year that's when i met a ton of my youtube friends actually um like riley riley devoe diana malloy uh keith sharier woofit do you know who that is yes i do yeah, Keith's a cool dude, and uh, Kendall Dickieson, flexible foodie. Um, I, I met all of them at the LA Fit Expo, and I was actually super like, I was way more quiet and shy than I should have been at first. Like by the end of the expo, I like the the time there because I was in Airbnb with all of them. I was a lot better, but I was a lot more shy than I should have been because these people are actually like really they're typically pretty nice and accepting if you're in the right crowd i guess um, mm-hmm. I, I haven't had rundowns with like huge youtubers but um tim thebano actually stayed with us in uh in what's it called ohio for the arnold and i was like more shy around him i feel just because he had a bigger following so i thought Maybe he wouldn't like me, <laughs> so like I, I know it's not like the way you should think, but when people have like large followings, it's like kind of intimidating. And my my advice is to like just talk to them like normal people. It's not it's not that intimidating. Plus, Tim only has like twenty five thousand subscribers, which is dope. Like it's really cool, but he's not like insanely famous, you know. And they they're just normal people like you. So I just go up and talk to him. It's not like I I mean, when I used to watch YouTubers, I used to think it was like crazy when I'd get a comment back from them. Like someone famous was talking to me. And I mean, they're just people like you and me.
0: It's really interesting seeing, hearing and seeing the culture of YouTube. And there are some people, you know, outside of fitness YouTube who have 15 million subscribers, you know, and like uh, Logan Paul or whatever his name is, like, it's almost like seeing a class A celebrity, like, in the streets, like, they shut down places, and it's it's crazy to think that YouTube and a following can really change your life. Um, oh, yeah. And it's great to hear that there's been so many positive things, but on the flip side, I know that you've had to deal with, you know, some people with negative things to say. How do you navigate that? I mean, like we were talking about, you're you're judged a lot, whether... What Whatever it could be, you know, people find a reason to, you know, just say something shitty. Um, what, what do you do? How do you go about that?
1: What's your tolerance level, if any? <laughs> oh, man, it, it really depends on my mood. I've gotten a lot better with dealing with negative comments and just people trying to start, like, internet wars. And, I mean, at first it used to – it bothered me a lot more because – It's, like, I'm a real person, too. But I I get that, like, people on the internet are, like, I don't care. This this It's just, like, some internet person. It's not, like, a real person. And I know that's not, like, their thought process, but it's, like, they don't care as much because it's not actually someone they know or somebody that, like, they wouldn't say the same stuff in person, I would hope, or else they would (laughs) probably get punched in the face. But it's, like, at first it used to really bother me. And then eventually... (laughs) <laughs> well, at first, I also would respond and say something like witty or smart back. And sometimes I'd get, like, my comments responses, like, upvoted a lot. And I'd be like, okay, <laughs> most people realize that I'm the rational one and that this person's just trying to cause drama. And, I mean, that kind of helps, but it's it's it doesn't help in the long run to, like, even say anything back. So at this point, I just ignore it because – it's unneeded stress if somebody comments something like crappy on my channel, I usually mute them from commenting on my channel because you can mute people from commenting on your videos. can't stop them from disliking them because um, whenever I mute like a new person, I usually start getting my uh, my dislike counts on new videos going up. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've had a lot of dislikes recently um, I guess because I don't know the channel's growing uh, faster than it was and I'm getting more trolls but my my advice on that is just to ignore it because it's really not going to help you to say anything back or even think about it any further and yeah it's it's annoying and it'll definitely bother me some days like if you're having a bad day and you see like somebody like oh my gosh this uh this (laughs) this faggot is like talking about all this stuff and like they'll call you like horrible names and it's it's bothersome occasionally but i've kind of learned to ignore it it's it's so hard to i
0: I remember there was a point like last year where i was on vacation in disney and there was just one troll who just continued to feed into it i mean i would respond but they would feed back into it and it was just like this endless unwinnable cycle um and it's just like what what's the point i'm only letting them win by responding and letting them think it's getting to me. Um, So just be above it and try to stay ahead of them because the reason why people hate is because you're doing something right and they're not.
1: Yeah, and that's such a, that's a good point because even if you respond with something rational and let argue against their point and say something like, that's actually, that makes sense they'll just like change the subject and say something else and try to get your goat. And, you know, it's, it's unwinnable. It's, it's best to ignore it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Now with, you know, the growth of your channel and your love for videography and YouTube, uh, you are moving out to LA. Uh, tell us all about yes. it, man. Break, break it down. I mean, a lot of people are thinking about, you know, New York, LA content creation Um, And you're doing it. It's like, it's huge. So tell us what's going on inside the brain of Drew.
1: So honestly, I, I didn't think I would be moving to some big city anytime soon. Um, I've always wanted to train at a big gym, like a gym, uh, hopefully one that like was powerlifting friendly. So I was looking at Alphalete and Barbell Brigade and now there's zoo culture out there in LA. So that could be a, possible place that I train sometimes but um, I mean I hope that like other people listening to this don't think that you have to live in a big place to like make progress and make a YouTube channel like you could just make YouTube videos in your room and like blow up just because you're super entertaining but I've been doing this for a year and a half and YouTube's a pretty big part of my life I'm very into blogging very into YouTube so I finally decided that um it was time to move to a place where i could experience more growth be around more people that are doing similar things i know that california and i think i think houston's pretty similar in this respect but california definitely has a lot of people who are into fitness and in california there's beaches everywhere everyone like works out to look good i guess for being outside and such they wear less clothes because it's so warm <laughs> So you you don't want to look like a slob, you know, and a lot of people out there more fitness minded. There's more content creators There's more entrepreneurial people out there who are doing things like on their own making their own businesses and such and that's the kind of stuff I want to get into I've never been good working for um, like anyone (laughs) (laughs) I, I don't like being told what to do and I always try to find my own way to do things better and Usually it's not the way that I've been told to do things, so it just doesn't work out for me working for other people. Um, Like, even what I do now, I'm hired by a tutoring agency, which is how I make most of my money because I need to make some sort of money, and I know calc and physics very well because I have a mechanical engineering degree, and it's like even then I'm not being told what to do all the time. I kind of just accept students and then I work on my own schedule really for the most part. So I need that freedom to be doing what I want. I I know I sound like a pampered millennial <laughs> when I say that, but I, I just don't do well working for other people. And I think it's about time for me to actually be in a place surrounded by other people doing the same thing because, you know, they have that saying where it's like, surround your, you're, you're the average of the five people you surround yourself with or something like that, or your five best friends. And if I'm, if I'm around other people who are like successful doing, I feel like I will be much better off in the long run. And there's not many people doing similar things here in Charlotte.
0: And I think that right now, you know, I'm 25, you're 23, 24.
1: I'm 23, going to be 24 in May.
0: We're in the prime of our lives where if we make a mistake for one year, it's not going to affect the majority of our life. You know, we can take yeah. chances between the ages of when you graduate college and 30 before if you decide to settle down where you can go out and do what you want. There are opportunities out there. It's just a matter of going out and giving, giving it a shot. And fortunately, um, you have a game plan in the sense that you're going to go out there, you have a job out there, so you'll be making income. It's not like you're going out there, you know, without anything. There, there is something yeah. for you to do over there. What was it like when you began having those conversations with your, your relatives, your brother, um, even, like, your close
1: friends? So most of them were like, why? <laughs> <laughs> they, they didn't really understand, like, the fact that I'm just like, I mean, I'm sure most people here know that I'm a different human than 99% of people around me at this point. I've always kind of stuck out when I try to stick out because I, I used to like just blend into the crowd because I would be quiet and shy and stuff. But I feel like I'm I'm a pretty unique case, um, at least around here. I need to be doing something that like makes me feel like I'm doing something special, something out of the ordinary. And when I, when I started telling my friends and I, like, I would tell, so I think the first people I mentioned it to were some friends that I worked at Chick-fil-A with from high school. And we were out at a bar and I was like, I'm thinking about moving out to LA. And uh, one one of my friends was like, oh, that's cool. And then the other one was like, you know, Drew, I don't think you should be making these rash decisions. And <laughs> I was kind of, I was like, ah, oh, that's making me question my decisions and stuff. So I, I really didn't talk about it with many people for a while. In fact, I only posted the uh, the YouTube video saying I'm moving to LA like a week ago and I'm moving tomorrow um, because I didn't want those people um, being like, uh, that like they're gonna make me think about it too much, and then I, maybe I wouldn't do it. Mm-hmm. And it it's it's tough, like reasoning through that because even it it used to scare the crap out of me, also. But at this point, I'm I'm ready for it. I don't foresee any issues unless I get like shot or something. But <laughs> well, that, hopefully, that doesn't happen. Yeah, hopefully not. But so... <laughs> yeah, it, my parents, my mom was like. My mom was very against it at first. She she was like, "Drew, you're making stupid decisions." And I'm just like, "Okay, mom." It's I I kind of just ignored it. But I knew they didn't want me to like be out there and like be broke and like fail or anything. But honestly, I I'm 23. Like you said, I'm cool with failing, but I'm not going to fail because I'm I'm pretty good at like not failing <laughs> so, i mean you I'm have a mechanical there. engineering degree that's pretty I'll hard live, to obtain yeah. oh yeah i i worked hard for that there's so many late nighters and i'm a smart guy i'm a very analytical thinker at worst case i use my degree and go get a desk job but and uh, that's uh yeah that's the last that, thing i want to do that's worst case scenario
0: which is actually of really good, I mean, like, that's the best worst-case scenario that you could have.
1: Yeah, worst-case scenario, i go get an engineering job.
0: (laughs) Goddamn. (laughs) So, what would you, what advice would you give to someone that is, maybe that was in your shoes, you know, who's on the fence, they're like, I really want to make this leap of faith, you know? What advice would you give someone who's maybe struggling with what you were just going through?
1: I mean, like, honestly there are no steps to getting to that point it's just do it Uh, like do what you want to do i mean you only live once who 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 said that first was it drake (laughs) i think so (laughs) yellow (laughs) yellow but seriously you only have one life and you only have so much time and you're only young for like i don't know like your 20s are a huge time for kind of shaping your life and if you're doing something and you're like, I don't know if I really want to do this, then don't do it. Because if you're not sure you're doing what you want to be doing, then you're wasting your life, literally. And uh, there, there's a lot of people who, like, never do these things that they've thought about trying because either they fear other people judging them for it or they're scared that the finances won't work out. And I, I mean, like... I don't know. I, I would never live that way, like in fear of like what, whether it's or not something would work out because I mean, if it's going to keep you from doing something you really want to do, that really sucks because I mean, and a lot of people have that and they go through life like that. And I think it's sad that um, people just don't go after these things that they really enjoy, especially if it's because they don't think it'll make money. And it's like everyone's so driven by money and it's families will kind of drive you away from things that don't make money because they want you to be like financially stable, successful, because apparently success means making a lot of money. Um, That's not how I define success. It's more of um, what make like being happy is being successful in my book. But, yeah, it's kind of sad how people are driven away from doing the things they love doing because they don't think it'll make enough money, you know.
0: Exactly. And I think that the the idea and concept that you don't want to do something because it's the money, you know, of course you need money to get by, but if you do what you love, you know, there are other people who love what you do as well. And there is a job out there. It's just a matter of being consistent, continuously doing it and, you know, just putting yourself out there, letting people know that this is your passion. This is what you do. And chances are, They're probably looking for someone to do that certain job. So just go out and go and do it.
1: Yeah, and you'll be more successful doing something you enjoy because you'll want to get better at it just naturally. And you'll like rise to the top of whatever field you want to do based on the fact that you actually enjoy it and want to be better at it. If you're like working at a desk and like, I mean, a promotion would be nice. You'd make more money, but it's not like you're working hard towards that. Cause it's not like, I mean, like, why would you? You don't want to do it anyway. so
0: it, it's funny. Yeah. Cause like, I, I know so many people who are my age, maybe a year or two older who are making like 80 or 90 grand, which is awesome. But yeah. I ask them, do you, do you like what you do? And they're like, no, I'm miserable. <laughs> so, at, so at what point does it make sense? You know? Money is nice, but if you don't feel like you serve a purpose, if you don't feel like you provide a value, then you might as well be working at Chick-fil-A, you know? Like, money is nice, but it's not going to provide happiness, and it and it becomes more apparent the older I get. Oh, which yeah. it's really
1: interesting to see. That thing that you just said about Chick-fil-A was actually, like, a big thing for me, because... I did work at Chick Fil A for three years in high school, but when I was working my internship for Duke Energy, I was just thinking the entire time, "Wow, I am bored out of my mind. I could, I can't do this like for the rest of my life." And I was actually happier working at Chick Fil A, and I, I was just thinking to myself, "I, I would much rather be working at Chick Fil A right now." And yeah, it's I money has never been like in the forefront for me. And I get that most people have, like, like all people have that survival instinct where you want to do, like, something that will make your life comfortable. You don't want to be uncomfortable, but, um, and finances are a big part of that. But if that's going to keep you from doing what you want to do, I mean, and keep you from being happy, I, I don't see why you would ever make that decision. And it's crazy how many people do make that decision to take a higher paying job that they won't be happy doing just because of the paycheck. And I I find that super sad. Yeah, man.
0: Well, it sounds like you have a lot going for you. So tomorrow you leave, right? What's what's Mm -hmm. the next couple of days looking like for you?
1: Okay. So I finally just got this figured out because initially (laughs) I was going to go to Austin, Texas, drive to Austin, Texas on my first day, which is a um, 17 hour drive. So it was going to be, I was going to knock out most of the trip in my first day. And uh stay overnight with a buddy, Nick. He has a he does a little food thing over in Austin called Nom Dudes. They're pretty cool. It's just a bunch of food (laughs) porn. He he like goes off um goes to restaurants and like shows their food and stuff. And it's uh I was pretty excited to like go eat something over there. (laughs) But he's not gonna be in town, so I hit up another friend, um, David Iglesias. He used to do fitness YouTube, but he's more into podcasting now. I don't know if you've heard his podcast. The uh, It's uh, Esoteric Anomalies. Are you no, familiar with I, that? I'm not, actually. It's, like, super science-based, and it's all fitness and, like, science, so it's actually super cool. But no. um, I'm staying with him the first night. I'm driving there on the 1st. I'm waking up at 5 a.m. on January 1st after staying up till midnight, <laughs> and then I'm um, <laughs> driving 16 hours, so it's a little closer, to Houston, Texas. Staying with him, um, we're going to get a workout in at Alphalete, and that'll be pretty fun because I've never been to Alphalete before, and it looks like a pretty cool gym. And the second day I'm going to wake up, so I'm staying with him, and then second day I'm driving to Gilbert, Arizona to stay with a friend from college. And then the I'm leaving. Um, I get to actually sleep in that day because that's another 14-hour drive. And then i'll only be like 5 hours away from la but i'm driving to san diego the day after that so it'll be january 3rd at that point staying with a friend there actually one of my powerlifting coaching clients um, i'll be staying with her for a night and then i'm driving to la the following morning and at that point it'll be january 4th and that's when every everyone i know is getting to la for the expo so i'll be there in an airbnb from the 4th to the 8th and then i still for as soon as that Airbnb B&B is up because I I don't have (laughs) a place to live at this point so and how's that coming
0: along how's the sublease search man it's it's
1: it's been pretty difficult Um, sometimes it's I feel like it would be way easier if I didn't have a little doggy but I have a little doggy, and I don't want to leave her here She's a small dog, so, like, she usually fits the pet policy for buildings that do allow pets. But it cuts out, like, maybe, like, 60% of my options, given the fact that I have a dog. And, yeah, I'm just – I'm looking for a sublease just for a couple months before I get my own place. But it's been difficult considering I have a dog. And also because I'm a male. Apparently, like, there are so many female-only listings on – Craigslist and Facebook Marketplace—it's ridiculous. Like, it's really hard to find a place to live for being a guy and having a dog.
0: Well, hopefully in the next couple of days you'll be able to find something that just fits perfectly. So, just be yeah. patient, hang in there—you'll find something,
1: my man. Oh yeah, I'll I'll keep applying throughout the expo if I don't have anything. But by, by the time I'm in LA, so I, hopefully something will work out. Worst case, I get an Airbnb for a week and just apply to stuff madman style but
0: we'll see what happens so speaking of la and all of this what
1: are your goals for 2018 what can we expect well honestly like i like to keep my goals like super simple like um i am not like the type of person who wants to release clothing and stuff or like start a business off youtube so much as just like grow my youtube channel like i want my main goal is to grow my YouTube channel and to get super strong because like the two things I do are powerlifting YouTube and those are like the two things I care about. And I mean, honestly, that's, that's just about it. Um, I haven't really come up with any new year's resolutions. Uh, Cause I mean, the YouTube channel will grow as much as it grows. I I put a lot of time into it, but I can't really like set a subscriber goal or anything. I just want to like get, make better content and like, be around people who are also doing similar stuff, meet new friends. YouTube's a, again, like I've met so many cool people on YouTube and it's really awesome making those friends and just getting better at video. And I'm, I'm actually pretty excited to get super strong because um, I will be training at a powerlifting gym for the first time ever. I plan on doing barbell brigade and... I will probably compete for the first time next year. So I call myself a powerlifter. I guess I'm kind of a fake because I haven't competed yet, but I've been training for it. (laughs) You're you're bound to do well, though. What are your numbers right now? So my best deadlift currently is a 565 conventional deadlift. Um, My squat is I just hit a 455-pound squat the other day, and it wasn't like a full on max effort squat but it was a huge PR cuz my best before that was 420 goddamn and, and um so that's probably closer to 465 470 at the moment but 455 is the best i've hit i've been taking it slow trying to be more smart so i don't kill my back my my best bench is still 307 i haven't i haven't made too much progress on bench despite like Doing it a lot more frequently and stuff, which is kind of frustrating, but it's nice to see my other lifts go up. But your squat and your deadlift, god damn dude, those are huge jumps. Oh yeah, I it's I'm ready to hit a six plate deadlift, and I don't know, figured out my form and such to where it's really maximizing my strengths because I'm I have really strong hamstrings and glutes, and my my back's pretty strong, so I've tweaked my squat and hamstring and lower back dominant rather than quad dominant and it's really starting to blow up like I hit a this morning I hit 405 for five and I was going for a double I, I saw that like, it, it felt too easy so I, I was like screw it we're gonna go for a triple that felt too easy so I was like eh, we're gonna go for five because four doesn't sound as cool as five so.
0: god damn that's awesome dude <laughs> I'm so happy to hear that you know you're doing yeah. well
1: you're crushing it and you have a really exciting future, man. Yeah, I I really am looking forward to competing in powerlifting and kind of – I feel like that's another way I can get my name out there a little more, meet some more powerlifting people because, like I said, I haven't competed. And I looked at the numbers, actually, and if I had competed this year for, um like, junior – I think it's like the junior class or whatever. If you're between 21 and 23, I would have qualified for nationals. So, I like this is kind of how I wanted to do it. I wanted to start out at a point where I could kind of just like start high. Um, I don't don't know. I'm competitive, but yeah, it's I'm getting to that point where I can actually like compete on a national level, and that will be really, really cool, in my opinion. That's
0: going to be dope seeing you on the platform, man
1: oh yeah i think i'm gonna do usapl but i'm honestly not too sure about other feds i just i see other people i know doing usapl so i was like yeah might as well do that that's the one i've competed
0: in and you know it's it's pretty dope everyone's super nice and i mean in lifting culture in my opinion everyone is super humble and everyone's hit similar roadblocks so i think everyone can cheer each other on it's a very positive atmosphere when you're at a competition I swear if somebody booed, I think they would probably get shot on the spot because it's it's
1: such a positive place. I agree. I've been to, like, meets at expos and such, and everyone wants to see people lift crazy weights, so they're going to cheer you on. Don't want to see you, like, crush your back and, like, die or anything, so. Because that would be bad. Yeah, it would be very bad.
0: <laughs> so we're getting close to the end of the podcast. I have one question for you. And I asked this to every okay. guest. If you had
1: one superpower, what would it be and why? Oh, man, I, I would have totally prepared for this if I had actually finished one of your podcasts before. <laughs> I, I'm going to be listening to it on my way, on my drive. I got 33 hours. <laughs> but um, I started listening to the Zach Kravitz one. But, oh, man. I had one superpower, hmm. X-ray vision would be creepy, wouldn't it? <laughs> <laughs> that's that's not what I want, but, like... You want that it, crossed my you mind You kind of want I, it. I mean, it, it would be nice, you know, but it, it's kind of creepy. <laughs> um, I would probably... <laughs> I wouldn't say, like, superhuman strength, because that would, like, defeat the whole purpose of powerlifting. Um, hmm. You know what would be a good one? Never getting injured. Never getting injured. That would be nice. But it's the, it doesn't sound cool. <laughs> I, I have the ability <laughs> to not, not hurt myself. Oh, <laughs> That would be cool, though, like, having regenerative um, abilities, healing abilities, kind of like uh, Wolverine. That would be dope.
0: So, when you tweak uh, your back deadlifting in two seconds, exactly. you're, you're back to normal. You're like, you know what? I can
1: go back in. Yeah, exactly. And you can just use crap form all the time and just YOLO, like, all, go all the time. for it. Yeah. And you'd probably lift more too. Yeah. I might actually pick that. I, flying would be cool too. But I mean, there's so many things you could say. Like, I don't know. Like, what even is. I'm thinking of, like, the Avengers right now. What does the Black Panther have? Does he even have anything, or is he just, like... He's just a badass. badass. I think he's just, yeah. he's just, like... His fighting style, and he's
0: just...
1: He's vicious. I think that's his superpower. Oh,
0: yeah. He's just vicious.
1: Dude, if I could be a Jedi, that would actually be really dope. Having the Force can do so many things. That That's actually a really good answer. Didn't think about that. Yeah. I'd probably be a Jedi if that counts as a superpower. You would want the Force. <laughs> Yes, I want the Force. You can do so many things with the Force. It's Yeah, that would be dope. I'd be a Jedi. <laughs> <laughs> well, on that note, man, where can people find you, Drew? Well, my YouTube channel is, um, it's probably easiest just to search my channel name. It's RageFit, R-A-G-E-F-I-T, or you could do YouTube.com slash Drew Kosak Fitness. Um, my name is D-R-E-W-K-O-C-A-K. Last name's kind of... Unusual. Um, And I'm on Instagram at Drew Kosak, spelled the same way, at D R E W K O C A K. And I mean, that's really all I use. If you want to follow my Snapchat, I mean, like, go ahead. It's at D Kosak. So D K O C A K. Those are the three social medias I pretty much stick to. So
0: awesome, man. Well, thank you so much for listening. If you guys enjoyed this episode, Make sure to give it a five-star on podcast iTunes. We'll be back next week with another episode. This is Cinemania, and thanks for tuning in.